It is said that yoga is a science. But what is a science? It's the search for knowledge, but knowledge about what? The modern so-called hard sciences want to know about objects, matter, and they became physicalists. And they did that by eliminating the desire to know anything about consciousness. The yogi is one who wants to know about consciousness. But if you want to know about consciousness without understanding the world of apparent matter, time and space, also you will fail to understand because you are eliminating a great deal of what is. And all you can ever know is your own frame of reference, your own projections, your own beliefs. And the yogi wants to penetrate beyond that circle of solipsism. But to do that, one must understand the nature of the relationship of consciousness to its world. This term world itself is one form of expression of what is. Another is universe. Another is cosmos. Back in the days when cosmos was the primary signifier, it referred to that dynamic order and structure designed by a supreme intelligence, which inherently had beauty as one of its attributes, which is why the word cosmetic derives from cosmos. But as that order began to become disorder and chaos, then the cosmos lost its sense of having a designer in a state of infinite, perfect intelligence and goodness and became an object which required the development of chaos theory because the universe was seen from a frame of reference that had no God, no designer, but a chaotic randomness the organizing principles of which could only be either Darwinian, the survival of those which were more adapted to an environment that was thought to be objectively there, or a subjective world of a solipsistic ego which brought about the development of psychoanalysis 
or a collective solipsism of the sort that Jung believed in. And all of this goes back to the question that was determined in the 17th century in the argument between Newton and Leibniz. And Newton wanted to believe in absolute space and that the same universe was real for all of us equally, no matter where we were sitting in that space. We were all perceiving the same reality. But Leibniz <clears throat> argued that that is not the case, that each of us is a monad, and that a monad has no windows, and that all we see is our own dream. And it may be the case that there are others with dreams that are similar, but you will never know that. It's Kant who took off on this, but explicitly believed that there indeed had to be objects that created the stimuli that produced a sense of form and movement and logic and order. And so there had to be a thing in itself outside of the dream. Whereas Hegel said, no, Kant is wrong. There is nothing beyond the dream, but the dream itself has not been plumbed to its full depths. And one can live even on the surface of one's own dream. But what is the ego except the effort to make that dream seem real? And how you make the dream seem like a real world is through desire. Because through desire, you invest in an object that is no longer your own projection, but that has become the other. You have turned non-duality into duality of subject and object. And that objectification is an attempt to possess an other outside of one's own dream field, and thus to prove one's own reality outside of one's own dream. But desire always fails. And it is the failure of desire to achieve its aim of bringing about a sustainable sense of reality that is the disappointment and devastation of the ego. And eventually, the intelligence recognizes that it is indeed trapped within a monadic consciousness. And this is why I would say that Leibniz is the true father of Atmanology, although he called it monadology. Because he said you can't go out the apparent windows. There is no way out but in. But what Leibniz did not find, <clears throat> which is why we don't talk about a net of Leibniz, but rather a net of Indra, is that there is one escape hatch at the very center of the monad. 
But that center cannot be reached until the monad itself has had its dynamic structure and order completely understood and transcended. <clears throat> the ego cannot understand itself. That is why the ego requires others who can see its own blind spots, its own structure, its own robotization, the automaticity of its programmings, its conditionings, and help it to find true freedom so that there can even be an inward journey to the level of soul from which the ego can be understood, but the spirit cannot. And this is why the soul can only achieve progress through surrender, not through conquest, not through conceptual grasping but through allowing itself to be without desire and without fear. And it is only <clears throat> this move, this willingness to jettison desire and fear that puts one upon the so-called hero's journey. But it is not a journey of a pilgrimage of a being in some space and time which it has already recognized as its dream, but a journey toward its own annihilation in the intelligence of the dreamer. Because the only escape hatch is that place from which new information arises that touches the perceiver of the dream and transforms its frame of reference from within. And by shifting the paradigm, the world itself is shifted, transfigured. <clears throat> and its own understanding of what it is as a self alters from that of a being in an existent world who is locked into a powerless position, subordinated to others with more power, to laws of nature that can't be changed, to conditions created from a past that cannot be altered and a future that cannot be known. And that limited horizon of possibility creates the anguish of the ego and the desperation for power and control. The more of which it seeks, the less of which it actually has. And so the paradox that is learned at that level of soul is that the letting go of power is the only way to claim power. And it is in this journey inward until there is an annihilation of all of the attributes, both subjective and objective, and emptiness has been arrived at, that that hatch of escape, which is the hatch through which information pours in and light pours in, 
It is the crack in everything through which that supreme awareness, that power of life, that power of love, of truth, of real being, the lifeline to eternity and infinity, awaits the attainment of the courage to be real. Because to be means that you stop thinking about being. That you stop playing with models, with toys, and recognize that you'll never get anything directly that is in the phenomenal plane because that is a mirage. And the absolute maturity it takes to give up all desire for all of those glittering objects that divert one from being and keep one in the plane of desirous thought must be overcome for there to be liberation, for one to escape the dream that you yourself have hatched and that once coming out of that hatch, you yourself are hatched from the cosmic egg and become that intelligence that is the God self. It is in the silence in which the belief in the reality of a world of objects subsides that the quantum reality of the superposition of an infinite number of dream worlds is recognized as occupying the same apparent space, which is simply the space of a single supermind that contains all of these infinite permutations, all of these monads contained in one super being. And the transcendence of duality must be the transcendence not only of the multiple, not only of the dual of the self and God, but of the difference between difference and sameness, the difference between multiplicity and absolute simplicity. To the infinite mind of God, they are the same. And thus the mastery of infinite complexity that converts chaos into order and returns the cosmetic feature of infinite beauty to the cosmos through the recognition of truth as the actual core of the I, not a being that possesses truth, but truth itself in its nakedness, its absoluteness.
emanates as beauty, as cosmic order, as dharma, as love, but it does so through the recognition of the absolute zero point that is everywhere and nowhere, and that there is nothing but that which cannot be numbered, cannot be objectified, cannot be contained, cannot be discerned, cannot be possessed, cannot be known, but that you always already are. And it is this science of being what is, all that is, and that is the source of isness itself, is the graduation from all illusion, all maya. and the return to that one true power that is supreme over all permutations, all states of affairs, all relationality that appears and changes and disappears according to the logos of that supermind that dreams everything into and out of existence. And only from that point that is the absolute, whose rays radiate into every escape hatch, so that every soul who has escaped and is lost in their solipsistic monad can be retrieved, redeemed, and saved. At the end of time, which is simply the end of the expansion of possibilities and the entropic return to only one single possible move in the game, which is surrender. And that is Satyoga. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the Members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.